as much as I'd like to think that I'm smart enough to go it alone, I've learned from experience that I can't. Take, for example, when I was learning to drive. Uh, when I was learning to drive, I took driver's ed like so many of us have. I'd, I'd driven around with my dad and my grandfather, and the reality is my dad got me started driving early because I grew up in South America, and laws are arbitrary there, apparently, when it comes to driving. And so I got started early. But when we finally moved back uh, stateside, um, and, and in Canada, I got my learner's permit. I, I had driven driver's ed and father and grandfather and all this, but I'd never driven at dusk. Till one afternoon, late afternoon, uh, I'm out running errands with my mom, just an excuse to drive, really. She wanted to run errands. I thought I would drive. And we're coming in to kind of the downtown part of our city on Hespler Road, and, and she turns to me, because the sun has set, dusk has descended, and she turns and she just says, very simply, like, hey, just remember that at dusk, we lose our depth perception, and to me, in all of my 16 years of wisdom being on this planet, I was like, I know, right before I hit the minivan right in front of us, right? Because the reality is, I didn't really know. The reality is, I hadn't been driving all that long, and I'd never driven at dusk, and I'd never really thought about the fact that at dusk you lose depth perception. And there's nothing more humbling to help you learn that lesson than getting out of the vehicle in the midst of congestion and having a grown man come at you with consternation that you tapped his minivan, right? And it was in that moment, I was like, huh, you really do lose your depth perception at dusk, right? Because the reality is, as much as I like to think I can go it alone, I can't. Wisdom has taught me that it would be foolish to think that I know everything and consequently then can just venture into anything. And this is the very thing that we're going to see as we dive back into Proverbs. We've been in this series called Foolproof. Last week, we saw as we were opening the series that Proverbs chapter 1 tells us the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fear meaning worshipful surrender, that when you submit your life to God, that's the beginning of wisdom. As we talked about from the game of life, right? Like you can't manage life, you can't make it in life and know what success looks like in life without understanding how it was created and designed by the one who made it. And yet, though fear is the beginning of wisdom, the foundation of it, what we're going to see this week is that is not all there is. God desires us to go further. The, the reality is wisdom is found both when we walk with God and also when we walk with those who walk with God. And that's what we're going to see this week. The wisdom is found not in isolation, but when we walk with those who walk with God. So turn with me to the book of Proverbs. If you have a Bible, grab it, aim for about halfway. You'll probably hit the book of Psalms. And then go a little bit to the right, you'll hit the book of Proverbs. We're going to begin in Proverbs chapter 13. Proverbs chapter 13. Here's the thing. If you've never been in the book of Proverbs before, it doesn't read like a normal book where you just kind of read it cover to cover. It is a book of Proverbs. It's a collection of wise sayings. As a result, to understand all the themes and what God is speaking, you have to approach Proverbs and study it in a systematic way. We're going to build in this series a biblical theology, understanding what the whole book of Proverbs says on these different various topics today, what Proverbs says on our need for community, our need for relationships. And so get prepared because we're going to bounce around a little bit and build a biblical theology 
for community according to God's wisdom. But it begins in Proverbs 13, beginning at verse 20. Proverbs 13, beginning at verse 20, says this, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Again, last week we saw Proverbs 1, the fear of the Lord is the beginning, that, that term beginning meaning foundation, it's the starting point, but no one builds a house and pours a slab and then says, hey, let's just live on the slab, right? Like we're done. No, the reality is you need structure around that. And so God is so orchestrated like that he's designed to be our foundation, but he calls us then to have structure around us, that structure being the wisdom of those who also walk with God. So Proverbs 13, 20 says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. This word walks literally means to accompany or continue together. It was not a temporary term. The term by nature implied a commitment to moving forward together through life over a long period of time. Walking was a journey. It was how people traveled. They took time to do it together. It was a communal activity. What Proverbs is saying, there is wisdom in walking through life together. See, God said it himself in the beginning, after creating a perfect garden and then creating man and placing him in it, God looked at man, looked at Adam, and according to Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, says to the man, it is not good that you should be alone. Right from the very beginning, God was establishing a biblical theology for us, a biblical theology of community. It is not good for man to be alone. Understand, when God made that statement in Genesis chapter 2, that is before sin entered the world. When sin enters the world in Genesis chapter 3, as we dub it, the fall, that's where everything breaks apart, right? Understand, God is saying this about man prior to the fall, prior to sin, prior to, to that stain being on our souls, prior to all of that disconnect and friction that we feel in our relationships, even prior to that, God looked at us in the garden, though we were in a perfect garden, enjoying a perfect relationship with a perfect heavenly father. God said, you need people. That even a perfect relationship with me is foundational, but what you need beyond that is something just a little bit more. The reality is even as Christians, we wrestle with that. Like, I'm not sure theologically that's right. Like, all we need is Jesus. We sing that song at some point in our rotation here, right? Except that God, even before the fall, said that it's not good that you are alone. That you, even as a Christian, having Jesus, still need the wisdom of those who walk with God. It's this profound truth that you were not created to go it alone. God designed wisdom to both come from him, but also come from those who walk with him so that you can see it lived out and understand what it looks like to live out this life he's called us to. Contrary to our technology and our apps and our phones that make us think that we are connected, what the scriptures are calling us to is something deeper. It's calling us to walk together through life over a long period of time, to do life together in such a way where my life influences yours and your life influences mine. 
by design. Don't go it alone. So the wisdom of Proverbs is very, very simple. Wisdom's found when we walk with the wise. And over and over again, you see this through the book of wisdom, that wisdom is found when you walk with the wise. The book of Proverbs, the book of wisdom, it, it states this over and over again. But the flip side of this equally is there for us in verse 20. The companion of fools will suffer harm. The flip side of walking with the wise is just having companions that are foolish. And the companion of fools will suffer harm. This term suffer harm in the Hebrew, the Hebrew word here is literally the word for evil. It's not that you're just going to get tripped up lightly. You'll suffer evil. Companion of fools will suffer evil. And the way it's constructed in Hebrew is not just the sense of that you will fall prey to someone else's evil. The sense of it is that you will be led into it, where you will actually take part in it because you have associated yourself with the wrong influences and been led the wrong direction. It turns out that mom really was right to choose your friends wisely because the companion of fools will lead you to suffer harm. Not just to suffer it, but you yourself to do it. And we see this all through the Bible, but I think one of the best examples of this in light of the book of Proverbs comes from the book of 1 Kings in the Old Testament. And a king by the name of Rehoboam, who coincidentally happened to be Solomon's son. Solomon, the author of the Proverbs, who recorded these and then handed them down for his son so that his son might walk in them. And yet 1 Kings chapter 12, which is more of a history book, gives us this sense that Rehoboam didn't walk in this wisdom. 1 Kings chapter 12 says that when Rehoboam came into power after his father passed, there one day in his court, in the kingly court, People came in and they asked this question, Rehoboam, how will you lead us? Your father led us with a stiff burden. How will you lead us? Rehoboam turns to receive counsel and he receives it first from the wisdom of those who had guided his father, the elders who had guided King Solomon. They tell him, if you ease their burden, they will love you and serve you forever. But 1 Kings chapter 12 says that he rejected that wisdom and instead turned to his young friends who he had brought up with him as he's coming into power. And these young men, drunk with power, tell him, you need to show yourself even stronger than your father and increase their burden that they might know that you are even greater than King Solomon. The consequence, the result, 1 Kings 12 tells us that the moment Rehoboam came down with that iron fist, taking the folly of these young men, that the kingdom split. That led to the northern and southern kingdom, which then for hundreds, thousands of years then, Israel was split. Rehoboam never regained the kingdom as he knew it. His reign was forever marred because he rejected the wisdom of those who walked with God and instead listened to his companions who were foolish. The kingdom was never the same. Rehoboam was never the same. You can almost hear Proverbs 13, 20 ringing out. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Paul in the New Testament says this very thing in different words. 
But he writes in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33, do not be deceived, bad company corrupts good morals. I remember hearing that quoted over me when I was a youth and rolling my eyes. Oh, it's such an old person thing to say. Because here's the thing. Still, like Rehoboam, we struggle with this wisdom. We don't want to be told that we can't go it alone or, or told that who we should choose as friends. We want to believe that we have enough wisdom on our own. And if we don't, we'll just Google it, right? Because that's the day and age we live in. We can find it out for ourselves. And this thinking goes back to the garden too. See, in the garden, when God said it is not good that man should be alone, another voice entered the picture, a voice that would make us doubt this wisdom. And it was the voice of the serpent, and the serpent there tempting Adam and Eve. And what was his temptation? His temptation wasn't just to do something contrary to what God had said, take the, the fruit of this tree. No, the temptation was, if you take and eat this fruit that you've been commanded not to eat, it will make you like God. It will make you wise like him. The temptation right from the very beginning has been to forge our own way in pursuit of our own wisdom. And we see this show up then in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs speaks to the tendency of our hearts in this. Flip over a few chapters to Proverbs chapter 18. Proverbs 18, speaking of the tendency of this heart, again, the biblical theology, and we're seeing the, the portions of the biblical story overlaid on top of each other. And what the serpent said and what rings in our hearts from our flesh is borne out in Proverbs 18, verse 1. Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire, breaks out against all sound judgment. Notice two things about this. First, what does it say? That first phrase, whoever isolates himself seeks whose desire? God's desire? No, his own desire. The first thing we see is that God's desire was that we be in community. God's desire is that we surround ourselves with the wisdom of those who are walking with God. It is our desire to break away and forge our own way. Think about it this way. In a New Testament context, New Testament says that when we walk with God and keep in step with the Spirit, we will bear, bear the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit, Galatians uh, chapter 4, uh, tells us the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, right? kindness, goodness, gentleness, Faithfulness, self-control, these are the fruit of the Spirit. As we walk with God and in his wisdom, these things develop in us. Now think about those things in the context of relationship. If you're walking with God, you are gaining that character of love, gaining that character of patience, gaining that character of kindness. Who doesn't like to be around loving, kind, patient people? These are people we gravitate towards. The flip side then is what Proverbs is showing us, that when we seek our own desire, we end up in isolation. When we listen to our own hearts and we walk not according to the Spirit, but to, according to our own selves, we are not loving. We are impatient. We get frustrated with our children. We are not gentle. 
And the reality is we hold grudges. And who wants to have a relationship with someone who holds a grudge? See, what Proverbs has been speaking, what the New Testament comes in on, what God said from the very beginning, it's all the same. God does not want us to go it alone. He desires that we walk with the wise, those who are walking with him. But there's a second thing in this too, the second part of verse 1 there. Proverbs 18, verse 1, he breaks out against all sound judgment. That term breaks out is used over and over in the scriptures for a fire that breaks out or, or danger or evil that breaks out, right? When fire breaks out, no one stands back and says, well, that's a good thing, right? The image of fire breaking out is something uncontrolled that is destructive. To isolate yourself, Proverbs says, is something breaking out in your life that is destructive. It's not good that man should be alone. God's wisdom, now found again in the book of Proverbs and repeated all the way through from the garden to when we meet God in heaven. This is the message. And see, what God spoke in Scripture is honestly now proven, not just in our own experience, it's proven now in science, in, in studies, Listen to this. I was reading these studies this week. Countless studies have been undertaken on the impact of isolation, on a lack of relationships, and its impact on you as, as a person and on your health. In one study from psychologists at Brigham Young University, they found that loneliness is twice as dangerous to your health as obesity Loneliness is twice as dangerous to your health as obesity. Here's a direct quote from the study. Those without adequate social interaction were twice as likely to die prematurely just by not being socially engaged. One researcher even noted that isolation caused roughly the same physical harm as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Findings show then that loneliness, here's another direct quote, impairs immune function, boosts inflammation, can lead to arthritis, type 2 diabetes, and heart disease. And here we are all sitting on Facebook, clicking on these ads for turmeric or whatever that new spice is, saying that it will cure all of our diseases, when all we really need to do is get off Facebook and meet someone in real life. Right? I mean, that's what the studies are showing us. A separate study done by the University of Chicago found that socially isolated men had a 90% increased risk of cardiovascular death. 90% increased risk of cardiovascular death. This is why, as a family, we have chosen, if we're going to eat fast food, we will do it with other people just to mitigate the damage, right? I think that's what the science is saying, right? But look, as much as we laugh, right, one writer summarized all of this brilliantly. He said, in light of all of this research, it would seem that isolation is literally breaking our hearts. Studies are just catching up to what God has been saying for thousands of years. It is not good for man to be alone. Don't go it alone. So if wisdom is found in walking with the wise, those who are pursuing God, 
then isolation is the antithesis of wisdom. That's the wisdom of Proverbs, the wisdom of the scriptures. If you want wisdom, walk with the wise. But the opposite of that is isolation. Isolation is the antithesis of wisdom. Here's the reality. The reality of how God constructed us, how God at least has constructed me. Something in me needs something in you. Something in me needs something in you. Why? Because God made me that way. And to reject that is to break out against all sound judgment. But, but, but where do we go from here? Well, Scripture would say you, you go towards people, you go towards community, you get in godly community. The question is, though, how do you find that? What does that look like? And if you don't have it, how do you build that? And Proverbs, once again, answers the question. So Proverbs gives us a recipe of what these healthy relationships look like and what we can do to build and foster that in our lives. So here's three things that we'll use as as takeaways, practical applications from the book of Proverbs, biblical theology. How do we find it? How do we build it? First, we must pursue and make a commitment to constancy. A commitment to constancy. Constancy is not a word we use very often because we are a very fragmented culture. We don't think of constant, showing up, of being faithful, of constantly being there for someone But a commitment to constancy is what Proverbs calls us to. I get this from Proverbs chapter 18, a little further down in that chapter. Proverbs 18, verse 24, says this. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Now notice, I mentioned previously last week, right, that Proverbs is a book of contrast. It will take images and create a contrast to help us understand what is good versus what is bad. So listen to this again. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. It's a picture of constancy, and it's painting for us a contrast between companions or acquaintances versus friendships. Friends show up. Acquaintances are mere social connections. See, the reality is we feel okay about ourselves because we have hundreds of friends on Facebook. I reconnected with someone from high school. Isn't that great? Do you know where they live? No. Then it's not great because their life can't influence you, not in the way that God designed it. You may have hundreds of friends on Facebook, but tell me which one will show up at two in the morning when you need to be taken to the hospital and you can't drive yourself. Try texting someone then. A friend exhibits constancy. And a friend doesn't mind receiving a text at two in the morning saying help. And a friend will get out of bed. A friend will show up every time, anytime. This is what we have to build into our relationships. The question is, are you that kind of friend and are you building this kind of relationship with others where you're willing to show up anytime, every time? Look, you can't do this with everyone. But what the scriptures are saying is we have to do this with someone. 
Constancy. The second thing that Proverbs would point us to is that we must pursue and make a commitment to honesty. So first, constancy, but second, honesty. We must pursue and commit to honesty. Proverbs chapter 27, verses 5 and 6 for this. Proverbs 27, 5 and 6. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Polite people will just tell you what they think you want to hear. A friend will tell you what you actually need to hear. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. I'm incredibly grateful for good friends in my life who tell me when there's something wrong in my life. One of my closest and most faithful friends, with her words, is my wife. Even last night as we were hanging out with friends, and we left after that time, and we jumped in the car, and immediately upon jumping in the car, she turns to me, and she said, hey, you realize that when he was in the middle of telling a story, his son came up, and you like immediately turned and started talking to his son when he was like midstream in thought and conversation. That was kind of rude. Now, wisdom in that moment would tell me a couple of things. First, always listen to your wife. But second, there's truth to what she's saying. I, I, I totally space in that moment. I saw his son come up, and I, I, out of love for his son, just wanted to engage him, but she's absolutely right. Like, man, that's a jerk move, right? To, like, cut someone off when they're telling a story and not even pay attention to the end of the story. I mean, total jerk move. And I had to go back and, and talk with him. And I was like, man, I apologize for that. I didn't mean to do that. But the reality is I'm, I tend to be a little flighty, a little scattered. And, and in my thoughts, will just gravitate to the next thought or the next thing. And I'm not that great with friendships. And God blessed me by placing someone in my life who is a lot better with friends than I am. In fact, she might be the only reason that I have friends. <laughs> and faithful are the wounds of someone who comes up and says, hey, Watch that, because you don't want to do that to people. You don't want to distance yourself from people. I know you don't mean that, but this is how it comes across. Some of the most faithful wounds in my life have come from those who cared enough to say something. One of the best wounds I ever received was out on the sidewalk in front of our church, where a friend followed me out at the end of the day and approached me and said, hey, you're not okay. And here's what we're seeing, and here's what you need to know, and you need to let me help. Changed my life, changed how I operated. Here's the thing, if you're not willing to tell someone when there's something they're doing that's offensive, what you're telling them is that you're actually not a close friend. Because you actually love your own comfort more than you do them. When we're not willing to speak into someone's character, what we're saying is, I would rather stay comfortable and not make waves than see you grow and develop as a human being. The Bible says that is not walking in the Spirit. That's walking according to your own desires, and that will lead you to isolation 100% of the time. The final thing, after constancy and after honesty, is we must make then a commitment to maturity. It's not just blasting people for the sake of being honest. We all have that person in our life who's just honest about everything to a fault, right? 
It's about being honest for the sake of maturity, seeing people look more like Jesus. Proverbs 27, verse 17, same chapter we were just in, but a little further down. Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. The image here of being sharpened is, is a good thing. In a first century where all you had to defend yourself was a knife or a sword, if it wasn't sharp, you were defenseless. We need lives that are sharp. We need our minds to be sharp. And someone who loves us enough will sharpen us and make us better over time. But it comes by showing up and it comes by speaking words that are honest and helping us look more like Jesus. The question is, do you look more like Jesus after hanging out with the people that you most often hang out with? And do they look more like Jesus after hanging out with you? This is what we need to be pursuing. So the question as we close is, man, who are you walking with in life? Who are you walking with? In the way that Proverbs talks about over a long period of time so that their life can influence yours and your life can influence theirs. Who are you walking with? And if you're not walking with anyone, if you can't answer that question honestly, that I have someone who shows up with consistency and honesty and maturity, then might we invite you into that? This is why as a church we believe in large group worship and small group discipleship. Discipleship is this face-to-face event where we open the scriptures, we let God speak, and we speak into each other's lives, we pray for each other, we care for each other, we show up, and yes, very often we eat together. It's part of like a Christian pledge, I think. And we do this together as a church in groups, smaller groups, because it's what Jesus modeled. Jesus didn't just teach at the disciples and then dismiss them, come back tomorrow, do some homework, No, he dwelled with them, he walked with them, he traveled with them, he ate with them, he slept with them. They were together so much that his life absolutely influenced theirs. The question is, do you have that kind of relationship? And if not, this Wednesday, Group Link is a great opportunity to get introduced to the concept of life group. Does this mean this is where you're going to find your best friends? don't, Don't misunderstand, right? Community is not easy. It's not like you just walk in the door and people just roll out for you. You're going to be my best friend. Starting now, we will share all the same values and all the same taste. That's not how it works. People are messy. You may need someone who has a different perspective. That might be the sharpening that God intends for you. And make no mistake that stepping into someone's living room for the first time can be scary. And it might be hard. And you might walk away that night saying, that was kind of awkward. I didn't know what to say. Don't give up there. Don't let the first impression be your last. Keep at it. Because God said this was so important for your maturity so that you would look like Jesus. Come back the next week. See, here's the deal. When we first started in Life Group, We founded relationships with guys that I now talk to, though they are now in different parts of the country because we started this 18-some years ago, I want to say now, maybe 16. One of my closest friends now in California, another up in Fort Worth. 
I talk to them monthly, one of them weekly. And it all started in a living room with simple conversations. And at the time, I wasn't that sure I would connect with these guys. And they've absolutely shaped everything in my life. If you're not in a group, get in a group. And if you are in a group, ask yourself, are you practicing constancy, honesty, maturity? Because here's the thing. At the end of the day, discipleship is relationship. It's getting face to face. It's allowing the spirit of God and the word of God and the people of God to all come together in a way where through that relationship, iron sharpens iron and we look more like Jesus. If you want to talk to someone about a decision you've made or let us know how God is moving through this series, visit nebc.ch contact. Be sure to stay connected with us throughout the week on social media, download our app, or subscribe to our weekly podcasts. Thanks for listening to today's message, and we hope that you join us as we continue to make disciples on mission for Jesus Christ.